Hello, and welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your co-hosts. You can follow me on Twitter at Talkin'. At Talking ACC Sports, the podcast moderator is Matthew. You can follow him at Hokey Smash underscore ASD. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Matthew as we get a word from our sponsor. Good evening. We have a special get podcast guest tonight. Want to make sure we get that get that out of the way, but before we get before we get to that, I want to make sure I talk about our special sponsor. I mean, and we've been fortunate. This is a this is our first year, right, Jeff, where we've had a, just a, an outstanding an outstanding all year long local ACC sponsor, right? And this podcast yeah. is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia, at three hundred one South Main Street, Suite one zero seven. Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at, at Main Street Farm. And we've been lucky to have this sponsor all year. They're going to be with us through the end of college basketball, actually, even through the end of through the end of the spring sports season. So, and we're like I said, we're very fortunate to have have somebody have somebody with us the entire year. So Let's get right to it, man. I mean, we have a great return guest on this show tonight. And this this guy's been with us multiple years here on the podcast. He's also done some blogging on our site at allsportsdiscussion.com. He's been at collegefootballnews.com. He's been in a lot of places. I mean, that and I mentioned collegefootballnews.com because that's that's really when the hardcore college football writing was going on. I mean, it was so, and it was such a great, such a great site with such a such a great group of and a great stable of writers out there. So I want to make sure I give a, a special welcome here to Terry John Terry Johnson. He is a fellow airplane movie fan. You can follow him on Twitter at, at Terry P Johnson. That's at R R Y P J O. H N S O N, Terry, friend, welcome back, man. I mean, we're happy to have you on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. This is the longest running ACC podcast in the United States. So please, <clears throat> please tell us about yourself, where you, what you've been up to, the the whole the whole spiel. Okay. Well, I was going to say, I'm so thrilled to be back. Like you mentioned, I think we started this uh, 2014 or 2015. And, um, you know, it's funny, we, with the whole thing in COVID last year, you know, nothing really felt like football until I came on the podcast to give preseason predictions and all that. Uh, you know, I remember my youngest son or my middle son at, he was my youngest at the time. He's now my middle son. He said, it feels like football, dad. You went on with Mr. Matthew and explained why Clemson was going to win again. So I've really enjoyed that. But uh, to answer your question a little bit about me, I've been a software developer for 23 years. I also write in uh, college football. Uh, This season will be my 41st year as either a player, writer, or coach. And uh, many of those seasons I was doing at least two or three. Um, 
like I said, I worked at College Football News. They got me my start. I'm, I'm so grateful to that staff. And like you mentioned, there were so many good people there. For people that aren't familiar with it, uh, Barrett Salee at uh, CBS Sports was one of the writers on staff at that time. Pete Futak and Rich Kermanello, they're still there. There's Rich votes. I don't know. Rich votes in so many different awards. I lost track. Uh, and then you have Phil Harrison, who leads uh, Buckeye Wire. And you have Matt Zemick, who, I don't know, he's got, he's over so many publications, I lose track. But I know Trojans Wire is a big one. Uh, USC, um, the, the, the USC fan for site for um, USA Today. So there was just so much talent on set. And of course, Bart Doan, who, uh, when he's not uh, leading all of his soccer teams to victory, I want to say he's lost like three games in three years. But when he's not doing that, he was also a writer at the time, just all around great guy. So, I mean, it was such a, such a special team and such a privilege. And then we went to um, the student section, Bart, uh, Matt and I, and we, we ran things there for a while. It was there that uh, we met Yesh Ginsburg. Uh, I know people on your side are familiar with him. Uh, whenever you think about teams being eliminated or teams being in the college football playoff, Yesh is usually the guy you think so. So we met him there. So, I mean, it's just been such a, a fantastic experience. Um, now, I haven't written as much here lately because I've, I've taken more to coaching. Um, this year, I only coached one team, and I was I, I was an assistant because we had moved. But uh, we captured our Whitfield County Championship, and it's just it's it's so great to work with. Uh, you know, it's, it's great to work with kids, but more importantly, it's like it's great to feel like you're responsible for the game's future uh, and different things like you know you you hear all about concussion and targeting. It's nice to be able to coach the eight and under and the ten and under and and learn. Hey, this is how you tackle. You don't need your head. You can hit with your shoulder and generate just as much force. So things like that. So um, it's been a blessing, like you said, uh, is why I'm so happy all the time. There's just so many good things that happen, and it's been just an absolute privilege to be a part of all of it. Very good, sir. Very good, sir. So let's review the 2021 ACC football season. Who is your most outstanding team of the year in the ACC, and which ACC team disappointed you the most? Well, I was going to say, how can it not be the Pittsburgh Panthers? Uh, it seems like they've teed us the past few years by, you know, they'll pull an upset, they'll beat somebody they shouldn't, and you'll think, hey, this could be it. And this year, when they lost to Western Michigan, it's funny I mentioned Yesh because after Pittsburgh lost to uh, Western Michigan, I, I was tempted to write them and say, yo, dude, they're out. I don't care what they do. You can't lose to Western Michigan, be a college football team. But after that, the Panthers weren't having it. You went on the, you know, you beat Virginia Tech and Clemson in back-to-back weeks and never really relinquished the top spot. So I tip my cap to Pat Narduzzi. I always felt like he was one of the most underrated uh, coaches in college football, particularly when he was at Michigan State. I mean, people don't understand how hard that cover four is to beat because – it looks like cover two. It's very different. And then here it is. He's surrounding himself with great people on offense. Of course, you had Kenny Pickett, uh, you know, Heisman Trophy finalist, and just, again, uh, a great quarterback. So as far as team that exceeded, it's got to be Pittsburgh. I, I, I want to put, uh, you know, Wake Forest and uh, North Carolina State in, um, you know, give them a mention too because they exceeded my expectations. I did not expect them to be where they were. As far as disappointment, who <laughs> my, my first thought was Florida State, but then I was like, it's got to be Clemson. I didn't expect him to set the world on fire offensively, but I also didn't expect him to rank 
behind Georgia Tech and Syracuse in total offense, and they did. Um, in fact, and, and this is a stat that I, I just I had to check it three or, three or four times to make sure it was, it was accurate. They didn't even average 200 yards passing per game. And if you want to know how, what that was like, the last two times that happened were in Dabo Swinney's first season and Tommy West's final season. Uh, that that's just disappointing. Um, I mean, again, they, they, they've, they've had a great year. They only lost three games, but when you're looking at what was expected, we expected this team to compete for a national championship. And again, they were always one. There's always one. The sporting news talks about all this time. There's always a team ranked in the top five that flames out fantastically this year. It looks like it was uh, Clemson. So it's hard not to be disappointed. The bar set so high and they fell so far and, it's just disappointing all the way around. Very good, sir. Very good, sir. Jeff? All right. Thanks, Matthew. All right, Terry. Who is your ACC football coach of the year? And who's on the hot seat for 2022? Um, <clears throat> Jeff Collins. <laughs> well, I was going to say, since you brought it up, I mean, I think there are basically two coaches on the hot seat. Jeff Collins is has got to be there and – don't get me wrong. I feel like the media has been against him ever since he started. But I also think of, uh, you know, Bob Knight saying, whenever you start arguing with you darn people from television, you know, there's a problem, you know, it's time to sink or swim. And I'm worried he's going to sink. Uh, we know we have Jameer Gibbs and Jordan Yates heading out. What they're saying is, Hey, even with the changes we made to the on offense, we still don't believe in this team and they're transferring. So to me, that's a problem. But for a coach on the hop seat, I'm, uh, you know, I hate to say it, Dan Walken and I almost never agree on anything. Here's one I think we agree on, Dabo Swinney. Uh, team disappointed big time this year, and now you have to replace Brent Venables. And I feel like you can replace Tony Elliott. There's a lot of brilliant offensive minds out there. Some are appreciated, some are not. But people don't realize what it was Venables brought to Clemson. And if you don't get a picture for that, just think of the last game that Clemson did not have Venables as a defensive coordinator. Does anybody remember that one? It was the Orange Bowl. Yes. Yep. And I think West Virginia is still scoring touchdowns. <laughs> they scored so many, they're still arriving. That was pretty fun. I, I have to say, that was a pretty that was a pretty witty move there, Jeff, to come in there and say, which coast was the most Disappointing. Bob, Bob Collins. <laughs> yeah, that's funny and accurate. You know, a lot, a lot, I would say a lot like Jeff's writing. It's funny. It's also accurate every time. Now we're Definitely talking about. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, as you say, now we're talking about uh, Coach of the Year. Um, I want to say Dave Clawson won. I, it's really hard to disagree with that. Uh, I know Darduzzi won the title, and I give him credit, but. You take a four and five team and they're one game away from the orange bowl. And that's a great year for, you know, a lot of us had them fifth in the Atlantic and aside from, you know, not beating Clemson and the non-conference, the quote unquote non-conference loss in North Carolina. It's hard to argue that the 2021 campaign was anything other than a success. And I'm going to throw in a, did you know Mike London was a cop type fact? <laughs> uh, Clawson is. Well done. <laughs> Well, as you say, Clawson is, has now won 10 games at four different schools. And that's just, that's just not something you, you, you see anymore. 
that, that speaks volumes about the man. Uh, I, I think he's a fantastic coach and um, it, it's hard to argue that anyone did a better job with the talent level that he had this year. All right. And, you know, we're, we're talking about Jeff Collins and we won't go too deep into this because you can only say so much, but you know, if you're a Georgia tech fan and you haven't followed the last couple of weeks and, and Terry, you mentioned the, the, the losses um, <clears throat> of the transfer Gibbs and Yates, but he also lost in the past uh, week, his top most highly rated recruit, Jerron Willis. And he lost arguably the best coach and recruiter assistant on his staff to Shar choice. Who's headed to, to USC to coach under Lincoln Riley. Uh, it appears so uh, really rough, month i would say for jeff collins yeah i mean and i guess i guess what's funny is uh you know when we talk about coaching changes and, and things like that is like how does he have a job i mean I, 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 people got fired for a lot, a lot worse this year yeah yeah absolutely that's a it's a question a lot of georgia tech fans are wondering uh one other one other coach that I want to ask you about that's kind of flown a little bit under the radar, I would say, of, of, of being on the hot seat. But, um, you know, I, I think it's legitimate to ask, you know, how's he going to look for next year is is Dino Babers at Syracuse. Uh, you know, he did he did have uh, some improvement over last year's one win season. Um, but if you're looking at his his tenure over the over the course of his tenure, Syracuse, he's got the one ten win season. And uh, not not too much else. I mean, I think we all can agree he's he's a fine coach, but he doesn't seem to be able to really get in uh, the type of talent you need at, at Syracuse to compete in the Atlantic Division uh, on a consistent basis. Oh, no question about that. And I guess what I'm saying is that having watched Dino Babers for a number of years, think back when he was at Texas A&M, think back when he was at Bowling Green, his teams were spread them out, throw them out, do whatever. That isn't what you saw this year at all. In fact, there were games where Garrett Schrader didn't even pass for 100 yards. Now, part of that is because the Syracuse running game was a lot better. But, yes, I, I, I have concern about the two because, I mean, uh, cap tip to Coach Babers for adjusting and saying, hey, realize, hey, I don't, I don't have a passer. And, of course, you know, like I say, uh, I want to say DeVito ended up going to Illinois, which um, – uh, I know. Seems to me like you're going from a winning program to a losing program, but whatever. But I mean, you can tell there, there's he just doesn't have the the personnel in there. And like I'm saying, Syracuse isn't exactly for everybody. But it's hard for me to believe that a school that you know produced Donovan McNabb and uh, what's a McPherson kid's name. I mean, they've had great quarterbacks over the years. I don't know why they're having trouble getting them in there right now. But yes, I mean, uh, I think if there's another game where uh, if there's another season where, you know, Syracuse goes games without throwing for over a hundred yards, I think you're going to have to make a change because whether we like it or whether we don't and full disclosure to everybody, I'm a youth football coach. I run the single wing. Nobody runs the ball more than I do. So it, it sounds really hypocritical for me to say this, but in the age of college football, now you have to throw the football to be successful unless you're service academy. So I feel like he's got to upgrade the talent, upgrade the system to move with the times, or he's going to be on the wrong end of it. And I, I don't want to see that happen because, um, and as a Toledo fan, it pains me to say this, but Babers did a great job at Bowling Green. Uh, I want to see him succeed. 
I always felt like he got the raw end of the deal when he's at Texas A&M and they basically demoted him and promoted Kevin Sumlin. You know, history's kind of proved that both of them are great offensive minds, but it's like Dino Babers is a is a classic example of somebody who when bad things happen to you, you know, he chose, you know, he chose to make lemonade instead of complaining that life handed him lemons. I really want to see him succeed. I hope he can get a better quarterback in there and start spreading things around and, again, start competing for these titles. Nobody thought Wake Forest could do it this year. Look what happened. Yep, yep, very good. Um, all right, Terry, as we, as we look at the Coastal Division, there is there are going to be more new coaches um, than there are returning coaches in the Coastal Division. Um, we've got a new coach at Virginia Tech. You've got a new coach at Virginia, new coach at Duke, new coach at Miami. Give us your thoughts on on all of those coaching changes in the Coastal Division. And oh, by the way, Terry, uh, this is the part where Jeff where, where Jeff also says that Jeff Collins is still still at Georgia Tech, and that there's a national title winning coach at North Carolina, and there's a coach that just won an ACC title at Pittsburgh. So I figured I'd add that. Because, <laughs> yeah, the, because yeah, Jeff, I tweeted we, that out. Or, I Jeff tweeted that out constantly, or, you know. So I yeah. figured, I'd, I figured I'd, I'd, I'd add that in there too. So okay, thank you. Sorry about that. Yeah, if, if you're looking well, at the Coastal Division uh, next year, you've got four new coaches, a national championship coach who, who won a national championship, Mac Brown, the ACC uh, coach who won an ACC title, Pat Narduzzi, and Jeff Collins. <laughs> well, again, uh, my, my first thought with that is that, uh, to, yeah, okay, again, full disclosure, I live in Dalton, Georgia, so I have a lot of friends at Georgia Tech, some of which I work with. I keep reminding them that the Temple job is also open, so maybe if they're lucky, he'll go back. Uh, again, I, and I know that <laughs> the listeners of this podcast are wondering why I've done an about face on this. Like, look, I've, I've defended Coach Collins for all that, but to me, going after the media – going after you darn people from television. I mean, there, there, there comes a certain point in time when you just flip the off switch and say, okay, you know, I know what I did was right. I don't need to engage in somebody. So, so that, that to me says, okay, there's probably more going on the, behind the scenes than I know, and things are probably a lot worse for somebody to melt down like that because I've had people get up in my face for losing a game, and it's like, okay, I, I understand. I agree with you. That type of thing. You can always be cordial. The fact that he wasn't, there's an issue there. Of course, on the plus side, if Georgia Tech does stick with him, I always think of uh, Paul Petrino out there at Idaho. They were telling him, oh, yeah, we're not doing anything. He turned it around. He has them competing now that they're in FCS. So it, it can be done. But, again, I don't understand why they didn't make a move, uh, particularly, you know, we're talking about coaching changes. David Cutcliffe, I, I – I'm very disappointed in how that was handled. He put that program back on the map. The only coach that ever won there consistently was Steve Spurrier. I think we can all agree he's a backup of a coach. I feel like he deserved a better um, faith than, than what he had. But it's like, hey, you're getting Mike Elko. You're getting a defensive-minded coach. To be honest, it's probably what Duke needs right now. They've never had any trouble scoring points. They've had trouble stopping other teams scoring points. And I think that I think that would be a pretty good – Higher, I think that will work out. Uh, now we've talked about some other ones. Okay, the the, the first one, and, and for me, this is um, again what I think separates the ACC from all the other conferences is that uh, the ACC handles everything with class. That that's the way I've always, you know, having lived in the South all my life, I always think of the ACC. You think of the institution to the class job. 
They're a class act. We always do things the right way. And then Miami did what Miami did to Manny Diaz. It was disgraceful. I mean, <laughs> the job wasn't even open. And they're interviewing people for it. It wasn't even open. I mean, that, that to me is on Cristobal for first thing coming back saying, this job's not even open. It's the first thing I've heard. It's, <laughs> in fact, the only example I can ever think about this was Bobby Petrino's plane visit to, Austin, to uh, Auburn for a job that wasn't open. Of course, you know, I believe it was Rick Pitino blew the whistle. No, it wasn't Pitino. It was uh, Calipari blew the whistle and said, look, dude, you can't do that. And, I mean, Diaz waited all weekend to find out if he still had a job. Now, they're lucky it wasn't me. I would have gone up there and gone to the media and said, hey, this is what's going on, and I would have made sure Miami paid for that. So, I mean, I get that you're unhappy, but there's still a class way to handle things, and Miami blew it. Uh, that's That's, I mean <laughs> – like I'm saying, all's fair in love and war. But, you know, if Terry Johnson's ACC commissioner, they're paying a fine for that because that's just not the way that I would expect uh, institutions to handle things. And then going on the thing, it's like, okay, um, I feel like Miami needs to be realistic. The 80s, 90s, and 2000s are never coming back. I don't care how much money you spend. And this is one area where Pete Futak and I disagreed. He seems to think if you throw enough money at a problem – It'll solve itself. And my words, my response to him was two words, South Carolina. You can throw all the money in the world at a problem. It doesn't guarantee you're going to be any good. And if you're going to spend all that money, why Cristobal? I get that you want to have a link to your glory days, but it doesn't always work out when the local boy comes home. And for example, Luke Fickle went six and seven at Ohio State, almost got beat to, to, by Toledo, which would have been their first loss to a team in Ohio since 1920. Uh, yeah, it was Oberlin. That, I mean, I realized it was a long time ago, but think about that. Local boy inherits a team, comes back home, fails. You know, he's doing great at Cincinnati, and I'm good for him, but it didn't work out. And look at Scott Frost at Nebraska, and it didn't work out. And to be honest, if Cristobal is going to work out, it's going to have to be a situation like uh, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan where you – have to have patience because it didn't happen right away. I mean, we're still joking about, you know, how big game Jim could never beat Ohio State, and he barely did. I mean, I'll give Cristobal credit for winning back-to-back -back titles, but one of those titles he won because Washington had COVID issues. They weren't even the best team, but they got in there and they got hot and, you know, tip the cap to him. This year, his teams got whipped against teams that were physical, like Stanford and Utah. Now, call me cynical, but if you can't beat Stanford and Utah, you're not beating Michigan. You're not beating Ohio State. You're not beating Florida State on most years. You're not beating Clemson. You're not, you're not going to beat all these power teams. You're not going to win championships. I think they're just like, oh, he's a link to our past, but I don't think it's going to work out. So, I mean, honestly, I give them an F, not only for the hire that they made, but for the way they went about it. Now, at the risk of sounding like Red Foreman, let's go on to Virginia. I don't know that I necessarily like this hire either. Uh, to get me wrong, I think I respect Tony Elliott, great play caller, great coach, but you're going from a defensive minded coach to an offensive minded one. And you're also going from an experienced head coach in Bronco Mendenhall to one that's never been a full-time head coach. Again, I think you're asking for trouble with that. And if you're going to go with a full-time head coach, why not go with somebody like Marcus Freeman or Anthony Poindexter, who by the way, was an all conference player for Virginia, and he coached there. He knew how to win. So I don't like going out, oh, we're going to get somebody from the Dabo Swinney tree when we have somebody that knows what it takes, 
how to win here right now. I feel like they whiffed on that one. And, you know, again, Coach Elliott may prove me wrong, but uh, I know a bunch of people from the uh, 864 are going to keep saying, did you look at the offense this year, Terry? Because we disagree with you on that. And then here's the one that <laughs> I'm afraid to uh, go ahead and talk about, Virginia Tech. No, it's okay. Oh. We're you're here. We're here to get your unbiased. We're here to get your unbiased opinion, Terry. And I, you know, that's 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 what we're here for. That's what why we asked you to come in to come in and come out and tell the truth and come out. Okay, well, these, that, these are it, some strong takes. I like it. Well, here's the thing too, and I I want to I want to preface this and say I hate to say bad things about good people. Okay, I want I want to preface my my comments with that. Okay. Virginia Tech is, in my mind, good people. They've always done things the, the right way. And again, this isn't, this isn't against Coach Bry. He's a heck of a coach and an even better person from all accounts that, that, that I've heard as I've learned about him. I mean, there is not any person anywhere that has said a bad thing about him, ever. And if you listen to some of the beat reporters from the Virginia Tech accounts that I follow, they're all like, hey, you know, <laughs> this guy would have you believing – that you could run through a brick wall and not even break your stride. He's a great motivator. He's good about it. So, I mean, this to me isn't necessarily about him as a coach, but this is to me is why did you make this hire? It tells me I, I don't feel like anybody's paying attention. Virginia Tech defense was not the problem. It hasn't been the problem. The offense lacking consistency has been the problem. You haven't thrown for over 300 yards since 2019, and there's just been too much – inconsistency at the quarterback position. Um, you'd have some great games. You'd have some not so great games. I want to say I saw a couple games where, you know, completion percentage are in the thirties. Okay. That's a problem. You're like, well, well, it's just a talent position. No, it's not because you've got Quincy Patterson and hooker went to other schools and get the job done. Now I, I realize Quincy Patterson's actually lost the job, but I, I, you know, you wonder how much of that is injury and how much is that is, is Cam Miller, but it's like we've seen there are talented quarterbacks in this system. Talent was never the problem. What it does suggest is that we need an offensive solution. And the fact that they went out and hired a defensive guy, albeit a very good one, that's not what I would have done, but it would work. Now, <laughs> to, 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 kind of, to kind of sweat this a little bit, you're like, hey, is this going to work out or it's not? I can think of one example where something like this did work out. And um, I've got to go way back to 2000 when Gary Pinkle bolted Toledo uh, for Missouri. They hired defensive quarter Tom Amstutz. And I was like, why on earth would you do that? Well, because Tom had a plan. He came out here and said, I'm going to run the spread. Um, we're going to torment people with the spread. He brought in Rob Spence. They won the MAC championship that year. Now, uh, Coach Bryce hired um, Tyler Bowen from the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, the coaches that – you know, all one of the coaches, Urban Meyer, said weren't any good. Uh, you know, two and ten, I kind of think that falls on a head coach. But regardless, you bring in Tyler Bowen from Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's hope he can come in and do the same type of thing that Rob Spence did at Toledo and we'll get winning. But again, I, to me, what, what bothered me about this wasn't so much the hire. It was that I felt like nobody's paying attention. Uh, being in software, that's always the first thing we ask before we ever do anything is, what problem am I trying to solve? So I hope it works out. I, I, I did question it, but 
again, it looks like I've, I've questioned all of these, uh, particularly Virginia. I mean, Anthony Poindexter would be a great head coach. I, I, for the life of me, I don't know why they passed on him. I can give you, I'll give you my intake on both. I, I mean, I'm pretty in tune to the Commonwealth here. Yeah, we've talked, we've talked about this kind of frequently about at least for, for Virginia, and I'm wondering if if Anthony Poindexter asked for a commitment on facilities because that's always been a big bugaboo at the University of Virginia because, quite frankly, they have the worst facilities in the ACC. They're actually behind Miami, and I think that he wanted a commitment on expenditures there. Part of the, you know, part of the the move, I think, for for Pry and then for Bowen, like you were talking about, is to really get those footholds back in in certain areas in Virginia in terms of recruiting. Because, as you well know, Terry, I mean, and Jeff, I mean, when Virginia Tech was good, they did pretty well in recruiting the Hampton Roads and Tidewater area and Richmond areas. And with Fuente and the gang in there, that kind of fell off the last few years. It, it, it was almost like, well, you know, we, 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 we're concentrating on recruiting in Texas because we think we can have a better shot there at recruiting kids. And it, that didn't work out. And go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. They came and took a chance on a few kids here in Georgia, which they're good players and per capita. I want to say Georgia produces as many NFL players as anybody, but it's like at the end of the day, what does somebody down here, what does somebody in Georgia know about being a Virginia Tech Hokie? Pro- probably not very much. Now they could probably recite, you know, off the top of their head what it means to be a Georgia Bulldog. So again, it, it, it's, I get what you're trying to do. I mean, Virginia Tech is what I would consider to be a superpower. They can recruit from anybody they want. But again, it, it because you're setting yourself up for failure when you don't recruit locally because – and I'll give you an example. I won't tell you which coach it is, but you'll probably figure it out. Um, Georgia Tech could never get any defensive line recruits because other coaches would come by and say, hey, they're going to chop block you in practice every day. You're going to have knee injuries. You're never going to do a darn thing. So – why don't you come up here where, you know, we're consistently in the top 10 every year in sacks, stunts, and whatever. And what happened is all your great players from Atlanta all of a sudden going up to another state. And you, that can be used against you. It's like, look, kids in your own backyard don't want to go to your school. There's a problem. So it, it feeds precisely into what you're saying. If you're, if you're not getting – you know, it was uh, the seven five seven. Yes. If you're not get, if you're not getting that group, you're not getting anybody else because they're gonna say, "Well, why aren't those kids going there?" Yeah, and you're not gonna get all of them from the seven five seven because it's far. You know, it's it's too good. You know, it's it's not a good kept secret anymore, right? There's so many good football players that come out of Hampton Roads, and you see the major programs going in there all the time, but you can't get shut out in either the seven five seven or the eight zero four in the Richmond area. You've got to get good. You got to get a few good players in there, and that's part of the reason for bringing the, bringing these part of, part of the reason for bringing these guys in. And Brent Pry was, I mean, it is kind of like what you were saying with you know with Crystal Ball. Brent Pry has spent some time at Virginia Tech, and you know that's you know that can either go really well or it can go real real really sour, kind of like what you were saying. But I 
I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I mean, you know, it seems to me like Brent Price kind of, you know, he's got a lot of young, young, hot assistants that are coming in, and that seems to be what he's betting his future on. Yeah, and like I'm saying, I, there, there's evidence to say that it would suggest. I just, to me, it sounds like, you know, what problem you're trying to solve? My offense has no punch, again. Um, because then the first question is, you're bringing in somebody from the Jacksonville Jaguars? How's that working out? But again, I, I'm going to I'm going to criticize the hire, but at the same thing, because this is just my personality, is like, I'm going to criticize the hire, and I'm going to wish him luck. Because, uh, and now we're going to go way back is the first assignment I had at College Football News was to make a decision. Hey, should uh, Tom O'Brien get rid of, rid of Russell Wilson? And I wrote yes. And for me, it's a badge of honor to go back and say, hey, y'all, <laughs> I was dead wrong. So like I'm saying, I, I, I'd be delighted to write a, a, a column for all sports discussion saying, I messed up in criticizing this hire by Terry Johnson. I don't think that's going to happen. I hope it does. But uh, – you know, yeah, I, a lot of it goes back to what problem are we trying to solve? And it's like, we got to get got to get some punch on offense. And I feel like that was what got ignored when you bring in a defensive head coach because, uh, you know, I hate to keep <laughs> throwing gasoline on the fire, but ask uh, ask people in South Carolina how well it works out when you bring in a defensive minded head coach. Oh no, I get it, I get it, I get it, man. Go ahead, Jeff. All right, Terry, uh, let, let's look ahead to the ACC's postseason, and we're going to call this our, our lightning round on who, wins each, on who wins each of these bowl games. And looking up and down the schedule, to me, th- this is not a daunting bowl schedule for the ACC. And, you know, they've struggled here. They did went 0-5 uh, or 0-6 last year in, in bowl games. But I think there's some opportunities here to – to, to win some bowl games, to kind of, you know, start reestablishing the ACC here. Um, yeah, let's go ahead through this <clears throat> through this schedule, and we'll start with the Military Bowl on uh, Monday, December 27th, Boston College playing East Carolina. Well, I was going to say, I know I don't have to tell uh, you guys how good of a coach uh, Mike Houston is. Uh, I think the Pirates keep it interesting, but I just feel like Boston College is the better team, and they kind of have – more to play for in this one. I think they, I think they win convincingly in a shootout. Well, I think it'll be a shootout, but I think they win. They pull away at the end. Okay. Um, on December 28th, we've got two uh, ACC teams playing that day. Uh, intriguing matchup up between Air Force and Louisville in the first responder bowl. Yeah, that one. Uh, I mean, what do you do? Air Force runs a triple option very well. But Louisville has time to prepare for it, so that's not really a thing. The big question I have is which Cardinal team shows up, the one that allowed 129 yards per game rushing in conference play or the one that gave up 300 to Kentucky in the season finale? Me, because I'm a positive guy and I'm a homer and I don't want to see Mark Ennis eat a live animal, I'm going to say cards get it done. All right. Uh, and then that evening you've got the, uh, the Holiday Bowl, very intriguing matchup, I think, with UCLA and NC State. I kind of feel like if NC State wins this game, they could open the, the preseason um, next year in the top 15, I think. Yes, and I was going to say that, that that is one thing about North Carolina State is, rightly or wrongly, they're, they're kind of the Rodney Dangerfieldist word. They're not going to get any respect. Now, which team are they playing? The, the one that ran pin and pole 
you know, the UCLA team that ran pin and pole early in the season was whipping everybody. They're, you know, NFL scouts are even watching how well Chip Kelly's offense was executing. Or the one that lost to Fresno State and Arizona State who, you know, their, their, their front four doesn't necessarily scare, to, scare anybody. I know it's being played out west, but I'm going to give the Wolfpack the nod. I just – I don't trust – every time I say Chip Kelly's got his act together, it doesn't happen. So I'm going to go with the Wolfpack and, like you said, maybe open the season in the top ten, finally get some respect, you know, for somebody in the league other than just Clemson. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right, December 29th, got three ACC teams playing – um, starting the day with the Wasabi Fenway Bowl, SMU and Virginia. Um, SMU is fun to watch. Uh, I know they like that spread. They had a coaching change. Um, uh, full disclosure: I am a, I'm as big of a Rhett, Rhett Lashley fan as there is. I, th- I felt like he's going to be a great head coach there. But Virginia wants to win this one for Bronco Mendenhall. And look. I know he coached at BYU for a number of years, so it's hard for me as a Utah fan to say this, but he's one of the best. I wish him luck in whatever endeavors he has. Um, I know if I were playing my last game, I would sure as heck want to win for him, and I think that'll be the difference, um, You know, particularly with so many bowls now. Um, it's who wants it more, and I, I tell you, I think Virginia wants it more. All right. Uh, uh, later in the day, you've got the Pinstripe Bowl, uh, near and dear to Matthew's heart, uh, the Maryland Tailpins Terrapins playing Virginia Tech. Okay. <laughs> Let's say this first. The Hokies are the better team on paper. I don't have any questions about that. But, and to be honest, I don't think Maryland belongs in a bowl. Of course, every time I've said a team didn't belong in the bowl, they ended up winning. Usually teams that go five and seven or six and six, and you're like, how the heck did they get there? And Maryland's second half has been a dumpster fire. So, Using the logic of a team that doesn't belong there almost always wins, I'm going to pick Maryland in this rare instance. All right. Uh, then that afternoon at 5.45 p.m., you got the Cheez-It Bowl with uh, Clemson versus Iowa State. Clemson played very well last month of the season, but, um, yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts with all the coaching turnover they're having to deal with prior to this game. Well, I can break it down in four words, and they're not good. It's no venables, no victory. Um, the, I didn't see enough on their offense to think that they're going to be able to score trade scores uh, with Iowa State. Um, full disclosure, Matt Campbell used to coach at Toledo. I was a very big fan of the man. He's a great coach. He's an even better guy. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I think Iowa State right now has a better team. If venables were, were still there in coaching, that would be one thing. But – I just don't see it uh, happening. Okay. Uh, then Thursday, December 30th, Duke Mayo, Duke's Mayo Bowl. You got North Carolina playing South Carolina. Okay. This one I know is going to uh, ruffle a few feathers. I know a lot of people are like, well, South Carolina had to rally to get there. They beat Florida. No. They beat Florida who – had, for all intents and purposes, that team had already quit on Dan Mullen. So they scored 40 points in that game. So the question is, did they have enough offense to keep up with North Carolina? No. And I say no because North Carolina finished ninth nationally in total offense. Sam Howell is amazing. They, they just don't have that firepower. You know, they, they – well, 
<laughs> the fact that I can't immediately recall off the top of my head who South Carolina's quarterback is, is like, was it the coach they lured out of retirement? Is it the third stringer? Is it? I have no idea who's even playing there. To me, it doesn't matter. The Heels win big and keep a winning next year. And again, North Carolina is another one. They were upset about how things ended this year. Every time nothing is expected for Mac Brown, his teams exceed expectations. It's when the expected expectations are high that they fall short. So that might be another interesting team to watch next year in the preseason. Okay. Uh, then that evening in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, you got Michigan State playing ACC champion Pittsburgh. Um, you know, my quick thought on this is it all depends on if Kenny Pickett's going to play in this game. Well, I thought that too, but then I didn't think about it. Even if Kenny Pickett does play, he's going to be a huge distraction because he's already made this comment about, well, I don't know if I'm going to play. Uh, again, I try not to criticize college athletes, so I'm going to refrain from that here. Um, I think that that one thing is going to be a distraction. Um, and, and it's kind of – I hate that because it's Narduzzi against Michigan State. This would be a very, very interesting matchup otherwise. But, I mean, I, I, I feel like Michigan State has the better team, and I think they'll win. I think that, that just the, the, the uncertainty about uh, Kenny Pickett is, is – whether he plays or whether he doesn't plays, certainly there's an argument to be made for him not playing. I understand that, you know, millions of dollars at stake, but this is where the NCAA needs to jump in and say, nobody's sitting out bowl games and we're going to provide draft insurance. So if you do get hurt in this game, we'll pay you $10 million. Everybody wins. And I mean, the thing about that is, is that it is so unlikely to happen that the NCAA would almost never have to even make the payout. They could do so much with that. So, you know, we talk all the time about doing the right thing. This is one area where, you know, I mean, I get it. The players and the NCAA are going to have their own um, disagreements, but this is one place where the NCAA could just extend the olive branch and help try to bridge the gap. And I'm disappointed that they haven't. All right. Well, you know, when the, the NCAA has opportunity to do the right thing, they will do the opposite. <laughs> Pretty much. It's, it's, it's like an eight-year-old. Oh, you don't eat those cookies. You know full well they're not going to be there when you get when you get back. <laughs> All right, we got a couple more uh, games to look at here for the ACC on December thirty first in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, Wake Forest versus Texas A and M. And last time these two played, not too long ago, Wake Forest took down Texas A and M. Yes, and uh, again, uh, Texas A and M playing without its defensive coordinator, who's now the head coach at Duke. So you're learning a new system. You're doing something different. And then again, we, we I, I talked about history, how I say, oh, there's a team that, that doesn't belong and they always win. There's also a case of SEC teams that go to a bowl game that thought they were going to go to a bigger bowl and ended up not doing it. That's that's this bowl right here. I don't think a and happy to go to the Tax Slayer Bowl, which I could never understood because uh, I used to live outside of Jacksonville and I went that game every year and it was awesome. Um, it's a great ball to go to, but I think Texas A&M is going to be disappointed because, like, we beat Bama, we deserve all these good things, and it didn't happen. And I think Wake Forest is going to come out hungry. And, uh, you know, again, I count on it. After Wake Forest wins this game, you'll see tweets about, well, the SEC didn't have nothing to play for. Count on it. Guaranteed. <laughs> hey, it's already it's already happened once when Wake Forest knocked off Texas A&M. I think that was about uh, – 
four, five years ago. Um, definitely. And one thing that for me to keep an eye on this game is Sam Hartman. You know, about one game a year, he just he just kind of loses it and has a terrible game. Last year, um, in, in the bowl game, you know, just had a horrible game against uh, I think Wisconsin. He's had his bad game. He he had a really rough ACC championship game. I think he's going to play really well in the Gator Bowl. Oh, absolutely. He's a competitor, and uh, he'll be the first one. You know, it's like we say, uh, playing golf. Your <laughs> your best round is almost always followed by your worst round, and your worst round by another good round. So I feel he's going to come to play because I feel like he's got a lot to prove. And again, um, Wake Forest comes in this game with a chip on their shoulder. Ever, no, nobody's given them the type of respect that they deserve. I mean, it seems to me like we made such a big deal about the uh, SEC getting 13 teams in, in bowls. But I'm telling you, I, th- I think Wake Forest has something to prove here. And, you know, to be, be honest, it would be great for college football to see Wake Forest, you know, hey, we beat the team that beat Bama. How do, what do you think about that? <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, final ACC bowl game on December 31st, Washington State versus Miami. Well, uh, again, uh, Miami is in such turmoil. I have no idea how everything there is not a three-ring circus right now. Compare and contrast that with Washington State. Washington State made a coaching move. uh, I want to say it it had to do with uh, vaccine protocols. They got rid of Nick Rolovich. But, you know, they've been playing very well since then. Um, And, I mean, what what does it say about – Washington State talent at the quarterback position where Jarrett Garantano, who started 10, 11 games at Tennessee, can't even get on the field. He started one game this year, and that was against Utah. He can't even get on the field because of how well Deloria is playing. So they're on a roll. They played well down the stretch. They were literally one upset away from playing in the Pac-12 championship game. To me, I think that's going to be too much. I, I like the Cougars in that one. All right. Um, now let's look ahead to the college football playoff selections. Uh, Terry, give us your thoughts on the on the four teams that made the field. Uh, what do you feel about the committee's job? Did they get it right? Did any teams get snubbed? You know, is there any criteria out there that you think needs to be improved for for selecting playoff teams? I think for the most part they get it right. There needs to be some rule about losing your last games because. We're seeing a disturbing pattern of Notre Dame and Georgia and Alabama sneak into the field after losing their last game, and in the case of Georgia, losing it rather convincingly because they actually had to play somebody for a change. The entire reason that the CFP came into being was so that we wouldn't have some of these terrible scenarios that we saw in the past. And um, you know, the, the one that comes to mind is 2001 Nebraska gets drop kicked 62 to 36 the day after Thanksgiving, but somehow it's the second best team in the nation. Yeah, we believe that. Or 2003, by God, Oklahoma, no one's going to beat them. They got curb stomped in the Big 12 championship game, yet somehow they got in. I'd like to think that when we went to 14 playoffs that we would look at situations like that. There should have been – now, look, Notre Dame getting in last year, okay. I will agree with that because they beat the team that they lost to. Okay. Georgia should have been punished for losing that. And I don't mean getting a third seed and playing, you know, not having to cross the other side of the country. Uh, You know, it's like uh, the only example I can think of is a few years ago where Clemson played 
it was either New Orleans or Texas. Like Clemson played Alabama at the Sugar Bowl. Oh, that's a neutral site. You sure punish them for not playing in a conference championship game. So I do feel like they got it. I feel like the teams are right. Um, that 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 groaning you heard was my mother and father, who are both big Notre Dame fans, um, that felt like they should have been in. But for the most part, I feel like they get the teams right. But I mean, there needs to be consequences. There need to be things that matter. What made college football great and why it's been better than every sport that's ever been there is that every game matters. Okay. It's not like the NCAA tournament where you can get hot in March and win with 15, 16 losses or, you know, the six and six New York Giants sneak in and, and win. College football was always great because every game counted. And the more teams you add to the field, the more things you do like this, you're cheapening some of those meetings. And I have a big problem with that because I want to know that games count. Otherwise, it'd be like college ba- – I mean, I, I will be honest with you. I have not even watched a college basketball game this year because I know, really, I don't need to start watching till January 15th because there's not enough to know about everything. So I don't want to see that happen to college football. And I feel like that is the biggest problem that we have right now is that there needs to be some kind of consequence for losing, particularly late in the season. Um. I don't know whether whether the an- answer is to you know expand to six and say, or you know have a clause in there that says okay if this team loses a conference championship game we'll give them a chance to play somebody else to play their way in like so for example Georgia lost Georgia play Notre Dame okay you win that when you go forward you don't you don't I I don't know I have to do some research to 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 come up with every scenario but I don't like that Georgia can get blown out and still get in that to me is wrong. Uh, I don't know, but are they better than Notre Dame? Eh, every time I've seen them play Notre Dame, it was never close. So uh, the only other thing I need to change, and, and I'm sorry if I sound like Red Foreman here, the Rose Bowl needs to get with it or get out of it. Um, I'm so tired. New Year's Day is on a Saturday. Ratings can go through the roof, but no, the Rose Bowl is going to be there. And look, I love the Rose Bowl. My wife's youths are there. I'm going to be cheering, but come on. That one needs to be played on the 31st, and the games that matter need to be played on January 1st, as they always have been in the past. I don't know why the Rose Bowl gets to hold us all hostage. I say that, you know, at some point you're going to say you're going to be with us or you're going to have your own game, and when it's the fourth-place team in the Big Ten against a fourth-place team in the Pac-12, maybe at that point it'll, it'll register. Of course, I do have a solution to that if anybody wants to hear it. Oh yeah, go for it. Well, again, if it, if the college football play, playoff games aren't, I mean, I, I feel like they need to be on Saturday. If they're not there, then maybe the solution is get rid of the bowls altogether. Or, I mean, I feel like there's two solutions here. One is get rid of all the uh, get rid of all the bowls. Have a have a 64 team playoff, and you're like, well, why is it? And so, well. You know, right now you're looking at about 80 teams in bowl games. You're only eliminating six bowls. If we miss a few six and six teams, I don't care. That's solution number one. Solution number two, go back to the old bowl system. Okay. And when you're done with that, take the top two, take the top two remaining teams. That would have solved just about every problem because, you know, instead of it being, you know, New Year's Day games right now are suffering. No one's watching because they don't matter. 
you know, go back to, what was it, 1997, when you had to watch games all day to find out, okay, is Michigan up by enough? Oh, let's go ahead and watch a Sugar Bowl. Oh, here's Scott Frost making a case for why Nebraska should get it over Michigan. You know, everybody would have watched those games, and you could say, okay, fine. Still don't have a one versus two. Two weeks from now, we'll play it. Problem solved. You didn't have to change anything. The Bulls win. They get to have their games. The fans win. January 1st is meaningful. And then you get to settle the issue on the field as opposed to in the media, which was the problem with the old system. So there's two solutions. I, I don't think either one of them would be adopted. But to me, it, it, you know, again, what problem are you trying to solve? These two are the ones that would do it. All right. All right. No arguments there. Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you as we, we start to close out the podcast. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And before we go on, I'm sort of chuckling because we have our we have our notes in here as we're going along with these topics and the podcast and and I, I wrote a note in here thinking like I laughed at something that Jeff said and it's it's the it's he's been he's been commenting on Twitter about how the I think I mentioned this earlier on the podcast about how how there are four new ACC coaches in the Coastal Division and there's a there's a there's a national championship winner in North Carolina and there's a uh, there's an ACC winner at Pittsburgh, and now I'm thinking about taking away your open microphone, Jeff. So no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think we we beat that dead horse of, of Jeff Collins on this podcast. <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna let him off the hook the rest of the show. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So well, no, 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 no. As as we say in ten U football, actions have consequences. Okay, <laughs> his actions cause this consequence. I have no problem with that at all. And guess what? He shouldn't either. And I submit to you, he knows he's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Very good. <laughs> all right. I mean, Terry, you and I are huge FCS football fans. And, the, you know, one of the biggest weekends of the year is coming up. I mean, this past, you know, I thought it was kind of unfortunate. Uh, ESPN missed an opportunity this past weekend to have all of the SC- FCS games on its on its broadcast cable networks and not using ESPN Plus, and I thought that was a, I thought that was a bad mistake on the part of ESPN. And, I, and but I'm glad to see that they're going to get it rectified this weekend. All the games are going to be live this weekend on the ESPN family of networks. The first game on Friday uh, on uh, on the 17th on Friday night has uh, James Madison University visiting North Dakota State University. This is a two-versus-three matchup in Fargo, North Dakota. And then on Saturday, you're going to see South Dakota State visit Montana State. And quite frankly, Terry, I'm extremely impressed with with Montana State. I am a huge fan of, of the Montana, Montana State coach of Brent Vegan. I think he is, quite frankly, quite frankly – Terry, I think that Brent Vegan should be the FCS coach of the year with, with the job that he's done at Montana State. And and if you go back in history, he's really the offensive architect of many of those NDSU uh, many of those NDSU championships. So I will be I'll be curious on your take on the winners here in these games. The floor is yours. Okay. Well, I was gonna say. Montana State, I feel like, is a good team. I would have liked to see them beat Montana. And I know they just took down the number one team. And uh, I, I know – and here's the thing about San Houston State. They can't whine this year about having to go on the road and give up 63 points. This time they lost at home. 
Montana State beat the the clear number one team in there. So I know Montana State did that, but to me, I, I've only seen South Dakota State one time this year. I saw them execute against Colorado State, and if you didn't know the coaches or the teams and you just saw two teams out there and you didn't know which was which, you would have sworn that South Dakota State was the FBS team and Colorado State was the FCS team. Precision execution, precision passing. And again, you just look what they've done in the playoffs. You take out Sacramento State, who's been a powerhouse since Utah offensive coordinator uh, Troy Taylor went there. Took out Villanova. Uh, take out those teams in, in, in back-to-back weeks. I think they're the better team, and I think they advance to the final. Um, the other one, I've got North Dakota State, James Madison. I, 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 I had to flip a coin on this one, and, and I say that because uh, the Dukes had wins, and I, I checked this. They had road wins over four ranked opponents. They had six wins over ranked opponents overall. Okay, so literally half their schedule was against ranked opponents, and they won. I can't say enough about that. But when you think about FCS playoffs, who do you think of with the Bisons? I mean, that, that's just what they do. Um, you know, the way that a lot of us feel about Alabama and Clemson, that's how I feel about North Dakota State. And what does it say that Quincy Patterson can't get any snaps? Cam Miller's playing out of his world. Quincy Patterson can't get on. I mean, I know he comes in on like wildcat packages and such, but he's not the starting quarterback. He was good enough for an ACC powerhouse but can't get on the field. At the end of the day, I think the, the quarterback position can be a difference. I've got North Dakota State beating James Madison, and I have them winning the rematch against South Dakota State in the championship game. Well said, well said. We hope, we hope it all happens. I'll tell you, I was, I was extremely impressed with – if there's one team I'm worried about playing – it's Montana State. I, I was extremely impressed with him. I, I hope what happened I as the fan in me wants to see it happen, Terry. I, I, I certainly hope what North Dakota State happens. Boy, Montana State looks hot right now. And I'm I'm you know, but as they said before, and I'm sure you guys both agree with this, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff and Terry. These last four, everybody got, gets plays their best fall at this plays their best football at this time of year. And I'm just I'm so looking forward to the games, man. I'm so looking forward to the games. You could make an argument that these four games are better than the college football playoff games because unlike the four college football playoff games that that, that we have here, these four you could you could look at you could look at every game and say, you know what, I could see how Montana State would win that game, or I could see how James Madison could win that game, or North Dakota State or South Dakota State. So to me, this is more exciting. Uh than, than the college football playoff because here I honestly don't know what's going to happen. Absolutely, absolutely, man. So let's get to the uh, let's get to the college football playoff fix. Give us your give us your winners of semis and give us your winner of the national title. Okay, uh, two versus three is uh, Michigan versus Georgia. Uh, all I can say to that is big game, Jim. So uh, Georgia wins that one despite the distraction of Dan Lanning being the new coach at Oregon. So I think Georgia wins that one. The other one I've got, I, 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 I deeply respect Cincinnati. A lot of people might recall Cincinnati sh- should have beaten Georgia last year, but didn't. Um, I, I just don't think they have the firepower to play with 
with Alabama this year. I think Alabama's too good. So I've got Alabama playing Georgia. I've got Alabama beating Georgia. And, you know, all we'll hear about throughout the offseason is people saying, can anybody beat Nick Saban? We'll hear that over and over and over again. And then people will mention about how no team's ever won it three times. And then they'll lose to Ole Miss in week three. And, well, it'll just be a lot of fun after that. (laughs) Very good, sir. Very good. All right. It's open microphone time, Terry. What do you got for us? The floor is yours, buddy. Well, uh, again, I I don't really have – I feel like I went long on some topics, but, again, I'm really mad at the Rose Bowl. I feel like they're getting special – preferential treatment they need to they, they, they i don't care what they say this is not the 1920s where it is the best in the east versus the best in the west in fact it's not even the best in the west it's the best team in the mountains because utah won it this year so again i want to see them do that i want to see that change to where the rose bowl has the same agreements that all the other bowls do they don't always get their 5 p.m time slots uh again i i, I pitch forward hard i'll do it again i want to see January 1st, return to what it was. If it means getting rid of the college football playoff, so be it. There's no reason you can't go back to the New Year's Day that we're all accustomed to where you got up at 11 o'clock and you're watching football until long after 11 p.m. wondering what it was all going to mean the next day. That's got to happen. We've got to do something about that. The biggest thing, and I'll harping point, is that every game needs to count. For the second straight year, a team got – beaten in the final week of the season, yet still got into the college football playoff. How can you say it's the best team in the country if they lose late in the year? I I don't understand that. There has to be a consequence, whether it's, you know, adding a playoff round or like a, to to use a term from wrestling, to uh, a pigtail match or uh, a term people are probably familiar with, like the NCAA basketball tournament. Hey, put another play in game. It's like, is Georgia better than Notre Dame? I don't know. They got killed, but let them play. Let's find out. Let's settle it. Uh, I also want to call out all athletic directors. There were entirely too many firings this year before things went on. Okay? I hate, and I don't care what anybody says, I hate the fact that there were there could have been two teams that were going to the college football playoffs that could have had their head coaches poached. Okay? If you're going to make a move, make it at the end of the year. We tell the kids when they play for us that they need to start what they finished. Why are coaches not permitted that same courtesy? I mean, <laughs> Joe Oliva, former director at LSU, used to say, oh, that was okay. We had to fire Les Miles now because he might win enough games and get his job back. Is that really a problem? I mean, I don't know about you, but I want my kids playing to the whistle. I want my kids playing through the entire season. Why is that not the same with coaches? And – Again, the, the big one, and, and this one is just near and dear, is that we do not need a 12-team playoffs. There are not 12 teams deserving of the playoff. If, if the answer is we want to save the bowl games, then let's keep the bowl games. If the answer is, hey, we don't care, we just want to give you know, successful schools a chance to compete at the end of the year, fine. Make it like March Madness. Put 64 teams in there. If you did that, you're only bumping 16 teams out, all of which would be 7-5 and five or worse. They don't deserve a shot at it. So it's time to do things that make sense. College football is too important. 
Every single game needs to count, and it doesn't. And it won't until we change the postseason process. That is all I have right now, other than just to say, hey, you know what? Thank you guys again. It, it, it's been a blessing to be on here. I'm a big fan of the podcast, and I hope you all have me back again at some point. We love having you come on the show, man. It's always great to have you on the show, and you're welcome back anytime. It feels like we have you on – generally have you on twice this year. And like you said, like you said to your, your young child, I mean, we know the football season starting when you come on, and, we, and, and we'd love to have you come on reviewing, reviewing the entire football season with us. So thanks again. Thanks again, Jeff, buddy. I want to hear it, man. I, I have a feeling I know what you're going to talk about other than what we talk <laughs> Other than what we talked about earlier, uh, yeah. But I, but I know what your other topic's going to be. But I have. But go ahead, man. For the floor is yours. I'm guessing. Well, I'm I'm going to hit on um, you know, ACC basketball for yeah, this. Yeah, I knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh man, we keep waiting for for the ACC for the teams to start stepping up non-conference, and and they're running out of time. They they really are, and you're getting into a situation where. You know, you're just not going to have any quality wins um, going into the conference, and, and you're looking at, you know, four or five big lead. Uh, let's, let's just look really quickly at some of these results this weekend. You know, it, it was not good. It was not good at all. Syracuse goes down to to Georgetown. Boston College losing to St. Louis. Uh, LSU, you know, thumping Georgia Tech in a, in a really non-competitive second half. Um, you know, that was that was Saturday. Um, then you look at look at today, and you've got Florida State losing to South Carolina. NC State, man, they had Purdue beat. That was number one team in the country, and you've got to cash in on these opportunities, and they just collapsed down the stretch, final 90 seconds of that game, and, you know, end up losing in overtime. And that was a game that really could have, you know, raised some eyebrows. You got Virginia Tech going down at Dayton. You know, I, I got to be honest, Matthew. Virginia Tech is one of the more disappointing teams in the in the uh, non-conference schedule in the ACC. Uh, Monmouth knocking off Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's terrible. Um, I mean, if you look up and down the schedule uh, this weekend, it was just bad for the ACC. You know, Notre Dame did salvage. You know, a little bit. You got to give them credit. Um, a lot of people thought with the guard play at Notre Dame. That they were, they had a chance to be an NCAA caliber team. Had gotten off to a slow start, but they end up knocking off Kentucky, um, which is definitely one of one of the ACC's best non-conference wins of the season. Duke knocked off Kentucky earlier in the season, but outside of the Duke win over Gonzaga, that's this is the the second best win of any team in the ACC. And then and Clemson knocked off a decent Drake team. They'd struggle closing out games against teams, you know that that had a pulse at all. And so it, it was good to finally see them. Um, you know, they actually, they did collapse down the stretch as well, but they were able to hang on in overtime. But I mean, just by and large, another really disappointing uh, weekend for the ACC and, and, and the, the league's in trouble right now. We got to, you got to be honest. Um, you're just not going to be able to pick up wins because no, they're not beating anyone, you know, outside of the conference. And that, that just creates kind of a, you know, a very mediocre situation. If Duke's going to be the only team that's that's going to be ranked, I actually I think North Carolina though is is going to be pretty good. I think they're they're a team that's really started to play well in recent weeks, and and Wake Forest has been a surprise. Um, but yeah, by and large, just just the, the the rough start for the ACC continues. 
So when you say, I'm, and so I'm going to ask you this question, are you disappointed because the expectations were higher for Virginia Tech? Because I will say the Wake Forest loss for Virginia Tech, that was bad. Okay. That, that, that was that, bad. That, that was bad. You know, because they, it looked like, it looked like they basically had the wrong time of the game starting. <laughs> that sort of <laughs> thing. Okay. But, you know, and I was critical today of, you know, of, of their really 75% of their game performance. They came back and with an honest effort against Dayton, who is going, I, who I think is going to be an NCAA tournament team. But, you know, is it more because you had higher expectations for Virginia Tech because they came out, you know, ranked top, what is it, top four, top five in the ACC, and they're not as good as they, ha- they have? Because my, my, my general thoughts about Virginia Tech is that, boy, I, I blogged about this a couple times. The Hokies need bigger guards, and I'm seeing a weakness in the lineup that I think is going to cause problems really the rest of the season for Virginia Tech because you need six, you need some big guards. And, and I know you've seen this too, Terry. You need big guards in the ACC. You need guards that are 6'5", six, 6'4". Six, you need some guys that are the size of linebackers on many, many nights in the ACC. And, you know, what I've seen at Florida State is that they've changed the game a lot. You know, I mean, their coach – Leonard Hamilton is a disciple of Joby Hall from Kentucky, where you had guys that were, if you didn't have a guy walking in the gym that was 6'7 during Joby Hall's days, and we're all students of history, you had problems. And and that's kind of the way that Leonard Hamilton has has discipled his teams, right, in the past and making these runs in the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, he has some. He has a situation right now at Florida State and probably similar to Virginia Tech, where he's got some big guys that are coming in. But it's like the early part of it, early part of his career, where where those guys weren't necessarily hitting shot, hitting shots from the field. And so I'm curious on your take, Jeff, on, on really on both of my statements here for Virginia Tech and Florida State. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you looked at. Florida State and, and they played Purdue. I mean, they actually look look small against Purdue, which is kind of amazing. So, I mean, you 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 got to have uh, you know big bigger guards against some of these really these physical teams out there. I mean, you're playing Gonzaga, you're playing team as talented as as Duke. Uh, you know, with these bigger guards. You know, especially I looked at what LSU did yesterday against Michael Devoe. I mean, they're 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 big guards. You know, just shut him him down. And you know, when you have you know one of the only other team scoring options, I mean, those big guards they they can shut teams down. So yeah, I, I think that's a that's a part of it for Virginia Tech. I, I I think that they've had a couple opportunities to win against teams that are that are NCAA caliber. They they beat. Uh, they beat Maryland earlier in the year, but let games against Memphis and Xavier get away. Um, they get another opportunity against St. Bonaventure later this week. That's a good team, but you know, the opportunities are, are getting away from a lot of teams in the, you know, in the ACC. And it doesn't mean like, Oh, well, we're going to finish in the top half. We're going to make the tournament. There's just going to be fewer bids for, for ACC teams. 
That's a fair statement. That's a fair statement. Terry, how much how much hoops have you watched this year? Haven't watched a whole lot of it, but I can tell you the bigger guards, you always want to have that. And this is the, the way that I coach basketball is it uh, the motion offense that I run. You need bigger players because you never know who's going to be matched up on who. If I have bigger guards, it doesn't matter who I've got lined up where. I'll get the looks that I need. And, again, the quickest thing, and I see this more at Tenu, is if I if I have uh, you know a little bitty point guard, it's going to be awful hard. It, it, because again, even if they have quick hands, you're still going to be able to you're still going to be able to beat them inside. So me, it's like yes, I, I want all tall people because I play the, the offense I run is positionless basketball. It doesn't matter whether you're a one or whether you're five. If you're big. There are certain things I expect, but again, you can create more mismatches if you have big guys with great ball skills than you can if you have, you know, somebody. And I'll give you an example: somebody that would thrive on my system would be somebody more like Yao Ming. Well, he's a big guy, but he's not a big guy. He can do everything. So the more versatility you can add, if you have a a guard with great ball skills, but you know, can also post up. Those are the guys I want in my lineup. I'd rather run a lineup out there, uh, you know, with five or six guys that are six, five, six, 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 seven than I would against somebody that has, you know, two shacks in there. I know I'm going to tire them out throughout the course of the game. Uh, I will say nobody will probably ever watch me play because if you thought Pete Carrill's offense was boring, then you would love mine uh, because it's just all backdoor cuts. But again, the, the, the more well-rounded you are, the better success you'll have. So yes, I always like the bigger guards. Uh, don't get me wrong. I can succeed with smaller ones, but the bigger you are, you know, particularly in basketball, give me a big man that can hit shots. I can, I can win a lot of games that way. Amen, man. Amen. I'll just be very quick here on my, on my open microphone. I just wanted to take the opportunity to thank you for coming on the all sports discussion, ACC podcast, Terry, you've been, you and you and, but you and you and the guys at CFN college for college football news.com have always been, some of our greatest supporters on the, on this site. And we really appreciate your continued support and the fact that you're still, you're willing to come on this show with us, uh, come, you know, just come on this show with us and talk about college football over the years. And we're very blessed. And I want to just thank you very much for that. Oh, Hey, thank you so much for having me. And Hey, if you want it, if you want me to give you some really geeky stuff, come tournament selection time, uh, I'll go ahead, go ahead and book it. We'll, we'll go through it. And, um, I, I just want to say that, uh, I share Jeff's assessment. Um, you know, too many cupcakes, not enough steaks. Sounds great. Sounds great. Okay. Well, Terry, thanks so much for joining the all sports discussion, ACC podcast. And we'd love to have you come on the show again sometime. And we hope, hope you and your family and your loved ones, your friends have a great holiday season. Yeah. Happy holidays, you guys. And, uh, hopefully we see you soon. All right. Take care. Have a great right, week, guys. Bye, guys. Yes, sir.